0: So with that, I'm going to bring up my brother Gary. Ask him if he bring the message to us. Hard to live up to an introduction like that, isn't? It? Wow! But uh, and I'm usually dressed in a suit when I when I preach, and uh, this is the best I got since we're traveling five weeks, and you know. I was over there at uh, Yellowstone National Park and I dressed similar to a park ranger, and they, they mistake me. I had this lady come up and say, "Sir, where do they have this at Yellowstone and this and that?" I said, "Lady, I don't have a clue. I'm from Michigan." And I had a little boy come up and ask me about the same thing, but, but you know, the lady that asked me questions before she left, gave her three CDs for her. <laughs> and found out her husband was a, a, a pastor just retired six months ago. But it, it's pretty neat. But it's an honor and pri- privilege to be here today and speak out of God's Word. And, and today I, f- I feel led to preach a message on encouragement. We all need to be encouraged, and we all need to be the encourager to others. We have the hope. We have the answer. Jesus Christ. We should encourage people more than anybody. And uh, that's why I, I feel led to give this message. Do you build people up? Do you make people feel good? Do you encourage others? In the dictionary, here, here's a definition of an encourager: Somebody cheers somebody up to support somebody. Lift up. Boost. Give people hope. Give them comfort. Give, give them confidence. Know good things in people and, and share it with them and to encourage them. Uh, to, and to be an encourager, you need to be an optimist, somebody that thinks positive. If you're a pessimist, how are you going to encourage people when you say the gas tank's half empty instead of saying the gas tank's half full? And, and when you're a pessimist... <coughs> Uh, you see the worst in things, and, and you're negative, and you—a you, pessimist is usually depressed, and and they always think things are going to fail. Winston Churchill said once, "The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity, but the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty." And I'm going to tell you a story about two. Twin boys. One was named Bob. The other one was named Paul. And Bob was an optimist. And Paul was a pessimist. And they're like 11 years old. And mom and dad knows that Paul is a pessimist and Bob's an optimist. They're our opposites. And Christmas time's coming up. And mom and dad's thinking, what should we buy Paul and Bob? You know, you could give Bob about anything, and he he's excited at Christmas time about it. But Paul, they could never please him. But they knew they knew uh, Paul wanted a new bicycle, so they bought him the best bicycle you could buy, a fancy twenty-four speed bike with all the bells and whistles on it. And they knew he liked trains, so they bought him the best train set you could buy. And so. They said, what should we buy Bob? We're going to put Bob to the test. So they went down to the farmer down the road and shoveled up a bag of manure, and put it in this plastic bag, and wrapped it in a box. So that was Bob's Christmas present. So Christmas Day comes up. Mom and Dad are downstairs, and Paul and Bob are upstairs in the bedroom, and Dad yells up, hey, Bob, Paul, come on down. We're going to open presents today. Well, guess who's the first one down? He's Bob, the optimist. He's bouncing off the wall. He's ready to open his presents. Paul's still upstairs. Paul, come on down. Come on down. It's Christmas. We got presents for you. And they say, well, Paul says, well, I know, I... It's, you got presents, and that's probably something I really don't want, and this and that. And finally, he gets down, and here's this big present. It's the bike, all wrapped up. And mom and dad says, "Paul, open your present." He says, "Oh, okay." So he opens it up. Here's this new bicycle. Paul says, "Why'd you buy me a bicycle?" He's He says, look at all them speeds on this bicycle. There's so many speeds that it'll probably break. And he said, it'll probably go so fast that I'll probably hurt myself on this new bicycle. And it's shiny, and and somebody might steal it. So much for the nice new bicycle. So then he said, open your other gift. So he opens up, there's that train set. And Paul says, look at that train set. It has so much track, it's going to take all day to put it together. And he says, it's the one with the great big engine, and it's going to go so fast around them curves, it's probably going to fall off and it's going to break. So, two out of two for Paul. They didn't please him. Well, it's Bob's turn. And he says, can I open my present? Can I open my present? Paul got a a new bike, and he got a new train set. What am I going to get? He he can't wait. They said, Bob, open your present. So Bob, he's digging through there, and he opens the box, and he sees a bag of manure in there. He says, all right! And he runs out to the front yard. He's running all over. He's looking all over. And... And then the parents said, what in the world is going on with Bob? And he runs in the backyard. The parents are watching him, and he's running all over. And he comes back in the house, and they said, Bob, what in the world are you doing? He says, well, with that bag of manure, there's got to be a pony out here somewhere. (laughs) So, So that's the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. You know, what are you? Are you always thinking about the negative things? Or is it the positive things? Do you have zeal in life? Or are you depressed and hopeless? But that's the difference. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, The Lord says, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Even through the rough times, even when your truck's not running, you got problems and you can't break the bolts loose. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, They that wait upon the Lord. That's a key verse. They that wait upon the Lord. We always, we're in a society, we want everything right now. But the Lord says this, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the Christian. If we're discouraged and we're down and out, we need to get into the Word of God. The Word of God can uplift us to encourage us. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. We always seem to want to go astray. We have our own mindset, our own goals, and sometimes we need to just trust in God, pray to Him. This verse is powerful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just part of it, all of it. And lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Philippians 4, verse 7. The peace that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. He can keep us peace, have us peace, even when... People wonder, how can you have peace in these situations? And we can always have this peace in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. That's what Jesus Christ said. Sometimes when we're going through the deep waters, we wonder, why, Lord, where are you? But we've got to remember this verse. He says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. He does care. He's watching, even though you may not think He's watching and looking after you. He is there even through the dark, dark storms. As a Christian, we can get discouraged at times through troubled times and sorrows and people passing away and, You know, one of the best ways to get over discouragement and being depressed and down and out is to be a light to somebody else. Take your mind off your sorrows. There's always somebody else that's going through something worse than you are, usually. And maybe it's an elderly person. Maybe they're at the nursing home. Maybe it's a shut-in. Somebody just lost a loved one. Sometimes they need somebody to show them That they're cared for. Go visit them. And you know, when we encourage others, it it encourages us and gets our minds off our own sorrows and problems. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Rejoice with them that rejoice, and weep with them that weep. When people are going through a sorrow of losing a loved one, sometimes we need to, to weep with them, put our arm around them, tell them we do care. I want to read this little story. as has a powerful message with exactly what we're talking about, encouraging one another. And I might even get a little emotional as I share this because I know the whole story. and. Uh, it's a story about a pastor's son. Every Sunday afternoon after the morning service at church, the pastor and his 11-year-old son would go out into their town and hand out gospel tracts. This particular Sunday afternoon, as it came time for the pastor and son to go out on the streets and give out tracts, it was very cold outside as well as pouring down rain. The boy bundled up his warmest and driest clothes and said, "'Okay, Dad, I'm ready.'" His dad says, "'Ready for what?' "'Dad, it's time to get our tracks together and go out.'" "'Son, it's very cold outside, and it's pouring down rain.'" The boy gives his dad a surprising look, asking, "'But Dad.'" Aren't there people still out there going to hell even though it's raining out? Son, I'm not going out in that weather. The boy said, Dad, can I, can I go myself? His father hesitated for a moment and says, Yes, you can go out there, get the tracks and, and be careful, son. Thanks, Dad. And with that, he was off out into the rain. The 11-year-old boy walked the streets of the town, going door to door, handing out everybody he met on the street, a gospel track. After two hours of walking in the rain, he was soaked to the bone. He was chilled, and he was very wet. and uh, He was down to his last track. He stopped on a corner and looked for somebody to hand a track to, but there was nobody on the streets. Then he turned towards the first home that he saw, and he started up the sidewalk and to the front door, and he rang the doorbell, but nobody answered. He rang it again, but still no one answered. He waited, no answer at all. Finally, this 11-year-old boy... Turned to leave, but something stopped him from leaving. Again, he turned to the door and rang the bell. Then he started knocking loudly on the door with his fist. He waited still, but something still holding him there, the front door. He rang it again. And finally, this door slowly opened. Standing in the doorway was a a very sad-looking elderly lady. She softly asked, What can I do for you, son? With radiant eyes and a smile that lit up the world, this little boy said, Ma'am, I'm sorry if I disturbed you, but I just wanted to tell you that Jesus really does love you. And I came to give you my very last gospel tract that uh, which will tell you all about Jesus and his great love. With that, he handed her the last tract and turned to leave and the lady said, "Thank you, son." God bless you. Well, the following Sunday morning in church, the the boy's dad was in the pulpit. And as the service began, he asked, does anybody have a testimony they want to share today? Slowly, in a back row of the church, an elderly lady stood to her feet. As she began to speak, A look of radiance came up on her face. No one in the church even knows her. She says, you know, I've never been here before. You see, before last Sunday, I was not a Christian. My husband passed on some time ago, leaving me totally alone in this world. Last Sunday, being a particularly cold, rainy day, it was even more of a burden on my heart and it came I came to the end of the line where I no longer had any hope or will to live she said so i took a rope in a chair and went up to the stairway into the attic of my home. I fastened a rope securely around a rafter of the, in the roof, and I stood on a chair and fastened the other end of the rope around my neck. Standing on that chair, lonely and brokenhearted, I was about to leap off when suddenly a loud ringing of my doorbell downstairs startled me i thought i'd wait a minute and whoever it was would would go away i waited and waited but the ringing doorbell seemed to get louder and louder and more consistent and then the person ringing started knocking loudly on my door. I thought to myself again, who on earth could this be? Because nobody ever rings my doorbell. You hear that? Nobody ever rings my doorbell or comes to see me. Did you hear that? Nobody ever comes to see me. So I loosened the rope from my neck and started for the front door. All the while, the bell rang louder and louder. When I opened the door, I looked, I could hardly believe my eyes, for there on the front porch it was the most radiant little boy I'd ever seen in my life. And a smile, oh, I could never describe it to you. The words that came out of his mouth caused my heart that had long been dead to leap with life. As he exclaimed, ma'am, I just came to tell you that Jesus really does love you. Then I... Then He gave me this gospel tract that I now hold in my hand. As the little angel disappeared back out into the cold rain, I closed my door and I read slowly every word of that gospel tract. Then I went up to the attic and got the rope and the chair because I wouldn't need them anymore. You see... I am now a happy child of the King since the address of your church was on the back of that gospel track. That's why I came here today. There was not a dry eye in the church and as shouts of praise and honor to the King resounded off every rafter of the building. The pastor came down from the pulpit to the front of the pew where his son was seated. He took his son in his arms and sobbed uncontrolled. That little 11-year-old boy had the heart of Jesus. He was the encourager. He did the outreach. What are we doing as adults? What are we doing? How many people have you led to Christ? How many people have you encouraged this week? Pointing them to Jesus Christ. Every day goes by. The clock is ticking. Where do you stand? In judgment day someday. Are you gonna is the Lord Jesus Christ gonna say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or is he gonna say, Depart from me? You that work iniquity, I never knew you. We all have a choice. That little 11 year old boy had a choice. He could have stayed in the house and played with trains. He went out and did the Father's work. And uh, that's why I'm here today to try and encourage you. Where do you stand? You know, my wife Nancy, she's the opposite of me. She's not a big talker, she is an outgoing. But she has her own ministry. There's people that are sick in the church or need encourage. She has a whole stack of different types of cards she sends in the mail. And uh, she sends them out, and she talks to people on the telephone. You know, this this phone we all seem to carry can be used for bad things or good things. There's a lot of people that's just a phone call away or a text away, hey, I thought of you today, how you doing today? I was thinking about you. I was praying for you. You know, just something like that can turn things around in somebody's life. I'll be on the phone talking to somebody and they'll say, hey, thanks for the card you sent. I said, don't thank me, thank Nancy. I I didn't even know she sent him a card. But she does that. We all have a gift and a talent and tools. We all have a choice to be a fountain or a drain. A fountain gives life, a fountain gives living water, a fountain quenches a need, a thirst, a fountain supplies freshness, it's uplifting. Or we can be a drain, someone who sucks life out of everything they're around leaves it dry, leaves it empty. Do you brighten a room when you enter it? Or does the room become brighter when you leave it? What type of person are you? Be the reason that somebody smiled today. Be the reason that somebody is blessed today. And you cannot be going through life with negative thinking, thinking you're going to have a positive life. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says this, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It says right here, we're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. Some people think once they come to Jesus Christ, it's the bed of roses. It isn't. That's why Jesus says, you shall have tribulations. And Jesus also says, when you're standing for Him, people are going to dislike you. Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you. So, not every time I give a CD to somebody or approach somebody with a CD, they're going to take it. I've been rejected before. But you know, I put the, the word out. Someday, they're accountable before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not for that situation. I offered them the word of God, and they rejected the word. When you're witnessing, don't take it personal. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. you're just the messenger. In this day and age, the Bible says there'll be a great falling away from the faith and I see it. Look at our churches today. The ones that's truly preaching the Word of God seem to be less and less people. The churches that preach fluff, they're expanding, the great falling away. And it says in the last days that uh, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, proud, blasphemers, boasters. Kids will be disobedience of parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Ever learning, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. The truth, Jesus Christ. We're in that situation. That's Second Timothy chapter three and in Romans chapter 8 verse 18 it says for the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory which the Lord shall be glory which shall be revealed in us all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose purpose all things, even through the rough times, even through the sad times, we should give thanks to God. The Bible says, in all things give thanks. And here's another hope for the Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But it is written, Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Revelations 21.4 says this, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, because the former things are all passed away. You know, if you're here today, and you're not for sure you're on your way to heaven, Today's the day to get right with Jesus. I used to think I was good enough to go to heaven. that The good will outweigh the bad. But I read the Bible and it says in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 that our righteousness is but filthy rags. The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. We don't earn it. It says it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 10.9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Who is that? That's everybody. If you would die today, do you know for sure, without a doubt, you'd be in heaven? Do you know for sure? If you don't know for sure, I'm going to tell you something. Chances are, you're on your way to hell. And it's not what I'm saying. It's what the Word of God said. Because there's a time and a point where you know whether you accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, or you haven't. In 1 John 5, 13, it says this, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So if you don't know for sure Chances are you're on your way to hell. That sounds bold, but that's fact. 1 John nine says, If we confess our sins, He's as faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 is one of my favorite verses. I use it to jail. It's the hope of a Christian. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are all passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's men in that prison, they think there's no way. They've done so many bad things that they cannot come to Christ. But Christ can change everybody. And you can become a new creature in Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm going to close with this little story that I tell at the Cass County Jail about every time I go. I've been going about 28 years, and I've talked to a lot of people in jail. And they'll come up afterwards and say, Gary, I come into this jail, and I say I'm never coming back to jail, but I end up coming back. I'm in and out of jail. All the time, and I don't know how I can stop it. When I'm in here in the jail, I get in a Bible study, and I seem to be doing good, but then when I get back in the world, I fall again, and I'm back in. And I share this story, because it has a lot of wisdom in it. It's a story about an old missionary, back in the cowboy and Indian days. And he'd carry his big old Schofield Bible, and he'd go on horseback from Indian village to Indian village. He had a burden for the Indian people. And he'd tell them about Jesus. And one day, he, he was around a campfire, and he's telling the Indian chief about Jesus. And that Indian chief comes to Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Savior, he's born again. He's a Christian. Well, a few days later, the missionary leaves, and he goes to other villages. And about three months later, he comes on back, and he sees that Indian chief again. And he goes over and sits down beside him. And he says, how is it being a Christian now? And the Indian chief says, you know, it's great. He says, I know that the load of sin I always carried, it's gone. And I have peace in my heart that I never had before, and I know when I die I'm going to heaven. And uh, but he says there's two cats inside of me, and they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. They fight these two cats, and the missionary says, "What in the world are you talking about? You got two cats in you." And the Indian chief says, well, one cat represents the flesh. The things that always got me in trouble. The things I always used to do in the flesh. That's the one cat. But then the other cat in me is the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ living within me. And he says they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. The the flesh wants to do this stuff. And the Holy Spirit says, "Now don't do those things. Do this. And the missionary says, well, which cat usually wins? And the old Indian chief says, the one I feed the most wins. The one I feed the most wins. So when you get out of this jail and you're back to feeding the flesh, you're going to be back in prison. But if you get out of jail, And you let the Holy Spirit feed the cat, the spiritual cat. Get into the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Pray to the Lord. And the spiritual cat becomes more powerful than the flesh cat. And every time the flesh cat wants to do its thing, the Holy Spirit smashes. And if you're here today and you don't have Jesus Christ, Guess how many cats you have in your life? you got one cat. And it's the flesh. And these guys in jail think they're their own man, and they run their own life. But when you don't have Jesus Christ, you're a puppet on a string for Satan. And it's just like an old dog with a pork chop. If you have a pork chop, you can lead that dog anywhere you want. And Satan knows every weak spot you have in your life, and when you get out of the jail, he's going to dangle that sin that you like so well. He's going to wiggle that in front of you and lead you around. Where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Most people know John 3.16, but they don't know through 18. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. He that believeth not is condemned already, already, already. And First Peter, Second Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. All. That means all of us. Jesus Christ said in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We're going to give an altar call now. And... Uh, If you're one of them people that's not for sure that you're on your way to heaven, this is an opportunity today. The Bible says, for today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. You may get hit on a bus on the way home. You're never guaranteed your next breath. Where do you stand? If you aren't for sure, we're going to give an altar call. And uh, I got these little Bible, Bible tracks somewhere. I don't know. They're in the back could you get a few of them for me they're they're what i use at to the jail they're called knowing god personally and we're going to give this altar call and if you if the lord's tugging on your heart that you aren't saved that you need to get right with him it, it's time to do business with Him. thank you and uh Here's a verse to remember in Matthew 10.32 and 10.33. This is Jesus' words. Whosoever shall confess me before men, I will confess before, before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. It's no thing being a secret Christian. Either you're standing for him or you're not. And I remember one evening, a, a fellow came forward to accept Jesus Christ, and he said, it was the roughest thing I ever did. He says, you know, in jail, there's a lot of peer pressure. What will people think if I come forward? And he said, I, was, I decided to make the change and come to Jesus Christ, and I started to get up. And the guy next to me grabbed me, and he said, sit down. But he's, He said, satan had his last tug he didn't care he came up and accepted jesus christ don't let satan have his tug on you today the biggest trick satan will use right now is the sin of pride what will people think who cares what people think because the bible says someday every knee shall bow every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord God's will and goal in our lives is not always to make us healthy, not always to make us wealthy, not always to make us happy. God's will and goal in our lives is to make us more like Him. Jesus fills the void that we try to fill with earthly things. So, as this song plays, I don't know if... uh, Somebody wants to come on and lead the song? Uh, it's in uh, 168, I think is the name of it. The song is, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. He wants you to come home. He wants you to come to Him. So if the Lord's tugging, you come forward and I'll share this little booklet with you. It's called Knowing God Personally.
1: Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for
0: Today's the day He's calling you up. Come home. Get right with Jesus. Quit playing the game of church and get right with Jesus Christ. Come forward. Come home. Come home.
1: sing. tenderly Jesus said.